Welcome to Globally Speaking, your program that explores everything and anything to do with language localization. Are you ready to dive into the most critical issues impacting global brands today? Globally Speaking is designed to educate, inform, and challenge everyone who's engaged in global communications. Your hosts for Globally Speaking are Renato Beninato and Michael Stevens. Learn more by visiting our website at www.globallyspeakingradio.com. And now, here are Renato and Michael. I am Renato Beninato. And I'm Michael Stevens. And today on Globally Speaking, we are looking at the misses from our predictions of for 2017. Yeah, it's interesting because our podcast, the episode about our predictions for 2017, was one of the most downloaded in our history. And we had a lot of feedback, thankfully most of it positive, and some criticism of things that we missed <laughs> and that we didn't cover. Some encouragement. Some encouragement. That's good. Let's be positive. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so after a lot of introspection and, and thinking. We chose to talk about two comments that came to us. One from Evandro Magalhães, who is uh, an interpreter at the ITUT in Geneva, the chief interpreter in the group there, very experienced in the interpretation area, who complained that we haven't talked about interpretation. And we also will talk about some constructive comments from Tom Hoare, from Thailand, with the slate, with some of the concepts in the translation memory space. And these are areas that we didn't talk so much in our forecast about because they tend to be under the radar. They're not the flashy stuff like neural MT that everybody's talking about. So that's what we'd like to talk about today. So, Renato, there are some people out there who confuse localization and interpretation and translation. They're talking about getting documents interpreted. Is that an accurate description of what that is? Well, translation is a generic term, and, okay. and everybody talks about translation. Interpretation is translation, as any other type of translation, but it's done orally. And you have several types of interpretation. There's the consecutive interpretation, where the speaker utters the message in their language and an interpreter is sitting next to him and translates immediately what the person is saying right immediately after. Then you have simultaneous interpretation, which is conference interpretation, where you have headsets and the interpreter is sitting remotely and the people in the audience have the little headsets and hear what's going on. That's simultaneous interpretation. And one of the things that is interesting about simultaneous interpretation is that you can do it into multiple languages. So you go into the United Nations, the European Union, all these international organisms or big conferences, and you will have different cabins and different channels in the little devices, in the radio devices. The speaker might be speaking one language, let's say Russian, and you have the translation being done in 25 other languages simultaneously. Yeah. There are other types of interpretation, like sign language interpretation, which is usually in the same language of the speaker, but it's for people who cannot hear, so they read the sign language. So interpretation is a very interesting area that it's growing very much. And then you have telephone interpretation. Telephone, video, Skype. And that's where the trends are important, right? I think that in the area of interpretation, one of the trends is, is 
it's not a trend. Well, it is a trend, but it's not new. It's the fact that you have video interpretation. It's becoming more mainstream. A few years ago, you would talk about video interpretation and it would be, yeah, right, video interpretation. Today, any company can provide that service and it's widespread in the United States. You even have apps. There is an app that I saw recently at a conference. It's called Interpify that download it on your iPhone and you, you can do remote interpretation. And there are other tools like that that do the same thing. Yeah. And they're, they're often white-labeled in your experience. Are companies able to get white-labeled services? So if they do choose to have an interpreter, it can seem like they're being offered through their services? Yes, yes. Uh, it's, it's a service. Mm-hmm. So you have that availability. You'll have a provider that provides the infrastructure and the interpreters and you can brand it any way you want. So I think that this is becoming more mainstream and it's not something that uh, talk about the future. It's something that is becoming more and more widespread. And the other thing is what I just mentioned. I think the, the other trend is the ability to have remote simultaneous interpretation, which is made available with the devices, with the smartphones and so on, with apps, where the interpreter doesn't need to be necessarily in the same location as the speaker and the audience. So one of the problems with simultaneous interpretation, for example, is that it's very expensive to have interpreters fly to a certain location, you usually need two interpreters for an event because as a human, it's very extenuating to be an interpreter. So you cannot have an interpreter work all day doing this simultaneous interpretation. They usually work in pairs and they switch every half hour. So every time that you want to do an event, let's say into 10 languages, it becomes very expensive because you have to fly in 20 interpreters. They arrive the day before, They leave the day after, they need to be available during the whole event, and that becomes expensive. This is the the lure, the attraction of remote app-based interpretation. And I think that this is becoming more accepted. I don't think it's it's the dominant thing, but it's it's a good trend to talk about this. I hope I covered this well. Yeah, well, there also seemed to be, at least in 2016, I'm interested if you're, you think we'll see more of this in 2017, the rise of the celebrity interpreter. Well, I wouldn't call this a celebrity interpreter. I was talking to a friend of mine during the Olympics in Brazil, and she was describing to me, her name is Maria Paula, just to give credit, mm-hmm. uh, that she does interpretation for celebrities, for these gurus, self-help people. Mm-hmm. And these are not the traditional procedural interpretations where you're just essentially humming away the presentation that the person is doing. Like, let's say that at a medical conference, the guy is talking about intestines and all the diseases and things like that. And it feels like you're hearing this monotone hum in the interpretation. When you're doing something like a self-help, like a Robbins or something like that, and you're interpreting what he's saying, you need to convey that enthusiasm and that showmanship. And a lot of that, when you convert that into a foreign language in a stadium with, I don't know, 15,000 people participating in an event, you need to convey this type of, of emotion. So I even coined a term for this. I said that she wasn't doing interpretation, she was doing interpretainment. interpretainment. And you told me that you read in the news something about 
ultimate fighting. Yeah, yeah. Slater had an article this past October on one of the interpreters for UFC, the Ultimate Fighting Championship. And he's a Polish interpreter named Darius Kruzek. He goes by Derek. And I think there is this rise of people are tuning in for more than just that sort of background hum, like you said, for more of a the feeling and the emotion. Yeah, well, a big chunk of, I mean, I don't think you're interpreting very much this ultimate fighters that don't have much to say. <laughs> like, I, I, I punched the guy and he fell. <laughs> well, <laughs> their weigh-ins, their yeah. weigh-ins can get off. Way colorful. to go, cool. <laughs> but there is all the commentary during the transmission, all this information that is going on, and, and you need to to drive this expertise. So mark this word. Interpretainment is the equivalent of transcreation in the interpretation world. Yeah. In addition to the rise of interpretainment, there were also some a fairly significant business deal from 2016 related to interpretation. And that was the acquisition of language line solutions to the French call center operator teleperformance. Do you continue to see that trend with other companies that are doing interpretation? Oh, well, the thing about teleperformance and what, and this is a guess, okay? The thing about telephone interpretation is that it predominantly exists in English speaking countries. It is big in the United States, it is big in the UK, it's big in Canada, it's very big in Australia. You don't hear much. I know that there is some in Sweden, in Scandinavia. I know that there is something in Germany, but it's not as big as it is here in the United States. I think that teleperformance being a much bigger, a global player in the contact center market, providing all kinds of support to all kinds of brands all over the world, I believe that they will make telephone interpretation more widespread and available in other source languages than English. It definitely sounds like a market opportunity, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And I believe that's why they bought it. This is why, if I were teleperformance, this is the reason why I would buy it, because they have the client base, and it's a logical add-on service to their suite of services. Yeah. So let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about what Tom Hoare mentioned to us that we missed yeah. In 2016. Yeah, so Tom said, we missed a huge trend that tech vendors have shifted their focus to embed MT technologies and tailor the experience to individual translators. He gave a number of examples for that that have surfaced to be the norm in 2016. He's curious, what's happening there? What's happening with MT technology and the, the access that translators have to it? We're going to have a show soon about uh, neural MT, and we mentioned this as the biggest trend in 2017. A lot of advances, translation memory technology is old technology. It's 25, 30-year-old technology. You have small improvements happening every day that improve your productivity by half a percent, by 1% over a period of a year. So these are not major revolutionary changes that happen in technology, but they are nonetheless quite important. And the biggest thing that happened in 2016 in this space was what they call predictive MT or adaptive MT. LILT is the banner technology in this space, but now the Trados 2017 has this adaptive MT. I think that Slate also has that. Matecat with their tag support, which is predictive also. 
figures out what the tags are and where they should be without requiring human input. So this automation of repetitive tasks is, I wouldn't say an innovation, but it's an evolution and it's a major improvement in the technology that happened in 2016. And I didn't predict it in 2015 or in 2014. Yeah. Can it be assumed that in 2017 that every translator is going to be using some form of MT? I think that the translator that is not using some form of MT is probably lying. I think that every translator is using, and if they're not using, they should be using. Of course, I'm making a huge generalization here, but a professional translator, if they come across the text in a language pair that is not theirs, they will use machine translation. They hate it. They curse it, but it's still free machine translation. The generic machine translation is very useful when you are not doing something on a commercial environment and it's just for information only in a language pair that you don't understand. But I believe that the offering of machine translation within tools is going to make the life of the translator much easier by increasing his or her productivity in a significant way. Mm And again, I think we talked about this before, is is this concept that the biggest barrier to the adoption of machine translation by professional translators is old age. So what is going to happen is that it's unfortunate, but it's the way life goes. A lot of these people who are resisting adopting these new technologies that can improve their productivity significantly will retire will die, (laughs) will move on (laughs) to other things. And this new generation of translators that is coming up and that is coming into the market and they will be using machine translation without even knowing that they're using it. So in a way, yes, is the answer to your question. Yeah, it will become ubiquitous with the translation process. Yeah. Yeah. I think that on on this topic of the translation memory features, uh, and the word here, the key word I think is feature, is that this incremental innovations that happen will eventually be adopted by all the other tools. It's brand new now. It's a great new thing. I mean, Lilt, when you see it working, you say, wow, this is the way I want to be translating. It's self-learning, self-correcting, it it improves your productivity as you go. But it's something that is going to be a feature. Every other tool will implement something similar because it's so good that it becomes a requirement. Yeah. Okay. Well, we do appreciate our listeners' feedback and this show is evidence of that. Yeah, call us out on things that we missed or things that you like. And who knows, maybe uh, you two will get on the next episode of Globally Speaking. And as usual, please keep listening to our podcasts. Subscribe in iTunes, Google Play, or whatever you get your podcasts. And give us good ratings. It really helps. This podcast was produced by Burns360. You can subscribe to Globally Speaking on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Globally Speaking, brought to you by Moravia. We'd like to hear your comments, suggestions, and feedback. So until next time, please visit online at www.globallyspeakingradio.com.